Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Preview Podcast. Another last cast winner for the lads means it is now eight games unbeaten and four wins from the last five. However, such is the tightness of the league, an Easter doubleheader requires maximum points once again to ensure that we keep a march on those below us that hope to leapfrog us and get into the playoffs. And whilst Monday's game against Plymouth Argyle may look like the most important, a win against Shrewsbury Town this coming Friday at the Stadium Light shares exactly the same level of importance and a match that can only be dubbed as the Tom Flanagan Derby. And to discuss and dissect Salop season is, of course, returning guest Ollie from Shrewsbury's premier podcast, The Salopcast. Ollie, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. I'm good. It's, um, yeah, good to chat to you again. How long have we keep having these chats being in League One? Well, hopefully, in, in the nicest possible way, this is my last. Yeah. I was just discussing before the podcast that we did off air when we did a wonderful podcast full of lovely chat when we had nothing else to do because we were stuck indoors and it was COVID. I released it and then I think literally 20 seconds later it got called off. So fingers crossed this yeah. one goes ahead. Yeah, I, I, I'd be, yeah, fingers crossed. I can't see this one being called off, but um, yeah, it'd be fingers crossed it shouldn't be. It's yeah. all been well. It's sunny in Sunderland so um, today, so hopefully the, the weather will continue. Yeah, fingers crossed. As always, we'll start from the top. Um, a late leveller against 10 men Ipswich Town gives you another point on the board, moves you in the 16th place ahead of Friday's game. How was the performance? How was the game? Terrible performance. <laughs> we were utterly dire. Um, Ipswich um, passed really, really well without really threatening too much. Um, scored a decent goal. We had one shot in the first half. Um, we were pretty abject. Um, second half didn't really start that well. And then, um, yeah, one of their players decided to um, get sent off and that completely threw, threw the flow of the game. And we started having a few chances then. And then Sean Worley scored an absolute blinder from long range um, into the back of the net and got us a point. Probably not really deserved over the kind of the, the full um, kind of flow of the game. You know, from an XG perspective, it's which definitely deserved to, to win the game. But that is football. And um, yeah, they were punished for a rather stupid lunge on a goalkeeper, which was really unnecessary. Sounds like the Ipswich we all know and love. Pass a lot, yeah. but don't really do much. Um, looking at the stats and, and stats alone and Google stats, obviously it says you had one shot on target in comparison to Ipswich's eight. Um, as you said before, Ipswich had a man sent off on 74 minutes. You've kind of alluded to it, but how much did that red card help regarding the result? Uh, it was, well, I don't know. It's funny because the goal just came out of nowhere. Basically, um, um, Leahy heaved the ball up forward. Um, a header from an Ipswich player came to um, Worley, who was maybe 10 yards, maybe 15 yards from the outside the penalty area. And he just hit it and it just looped over the goalkeeper and went to the back of the net. So the goal wasn't really through them through us having more numerical advantage or a tactical change. It was just a wonder strike, really, um, which was really great for Worley because he's been at the club for a very long time and then he's been out injured. I mean, he's come back towards the end of the season. So it was really nice for him to get that goal. I think in the context of the season, not to have lost five games, should I, should I say, sorry, not a lot of Sunderland fans into a false sense of security that you're playing poorly. It's actually quite the opposite. I think it's fair to say you've been pretty impressive over the last month. I think that draw did follow a defeat to MK Dons, but obviously MK Dons are playing incredibly well. But prior yeah, they're to that, probably the best, probably the MK Dons, sorry, are probably the best team I've seen this season. Their, one of their goals they scored against us was sublime passing like un- Premier League level passing. It was unbelievable. Two vertical passes, back of the net. Amazing. 
I, I feel like they'll go up, to be honest. I know it looks yeah. like not much of a prediction now, but I thought that a few weeks ago. I didn't think it would be Rotherham that would drop the points, but nonetheless, here we are. Um, but the draw, as, as you said, followed um, that MK Dons game. But prior to that, you defeated Lincoln 1-0, Rotherham 3-0 at Rotherham. And that was before Rotherham had that massive wobble. Um, we, we started the wobble. Um, but then Morecambe 5-0 as well. That's three wins, three clean sheets, nine goals. How good has the form been from Shoresby throughout March? Yeah, March has been a, a good month, a bit like December, where we picked up some good results then as well. Um, we've had two kind of enjoyable spells this season, um, which has basically coincided, basically resulted by a couple of players just hitting form and taking our chances. Um, the start of the year was was proper dire and really, really poor. Like we didn't score against Gillingham, we didn't score against Crewe, and we didn't score against Doncaster. That's pretty, pretty embarrassing. Um, so yeah, we start. We I think it was something like twelve games, and we didn't score in nine of those. It was really dire. And then yeah, we hit a, we hit a run of form. We absolutely smash Morecambe, get a bit of confidence again. Yeah, go away to Rotherham, get a result, and yeah, all of a sudden we were. That Morecambe game was huge because if we lost that game, we'd have only been three points away from the relegation zone. We won that game that went to six and then got another one went to nine. And all of a sudden, two games were, were completely out of the relegation fight. Um, there's no way we were going to get caught now. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really weird because we were really worried one week doing the podcast. And the next week you were like, hey, we're safe. <laughs> it's quite funny. It's been a funny season, though, hasn't it? I think for everyone, the league in general has been so tight across the board. Like, I think every team that's from the probably like from about 13th downwards has been worried about relegation. Every team from about 12th upwards has been, can we make a run for the playoffs here or can we get promoted? It's It's been really tight, hasn't it? It has been tight. It's been tight in that kind of, yeah, that 12th to kind of like 20th place. And But then I've never had a season, uh, like the last five, six years, I've never had a season where you have three really bad teams. So two particular teams, Crew and Doncaster, um, it's and then I guess Gillingham would probably have been in that spell if they hadn't changed their manager. They're really, really outliers and being really poor. It has been a has been an odd season. Uh, it has been different to normal. Yeah, Crew have been particularly bad, and Doncaster. Oh, we haven't beaten Crew. We haven't beaten Crew. We've taken four points off Sheffield Wednesday, um, but yeah, we we haven't got anything out against the teams at the bottom. And uh, we'll come on to our style of play, and we'll probably explain why that is the way, um, but later. I did want to discuss sort of the clean sheets as well, because obviously um, we'll have to come on to it. Tom Flanagan, as I touched on in the intro, perhaps surprisingly left Sunderland in January, actually left us a bit short. Obviously, we're not worrying too much because we're in form at the moment, but it has been brought up quite a lot and understandably so, because we, we didn't replace him. We just let him go. Um, since he came into the side, calculations may be wrong with this, but you've kept six clean sheets in nine games. How much has Tom Flanagan played a part in that? He's... He's contributed to a strong defence already. So we've got the third best defence in the league. Um, and that's built on, obviously, you know, front to back, really being really, really solid. Um, he came in and um, he came in and it was a bit weird because basically what happened was we got a tiny, tiny squad, only a small number of players. So we were playing a guy called George Nurse um, at left centre-back, who's predominantly a wing-back or full-back, and playing a better uh, left wing-back. So a better left. Nurse moved forward and Flanagan kind of just filled in that slot at left centre-back. So he 
he he has been a positive contribution. He's better at that space, I think, than nurses, because nurse is more of a fallback than a centre back. And he's been brilliant, but he's kind of made a good defence better rather than transforming the defence, if that makes sense. It was an interesting move for us because obviously uh, I think towards the end of him leaving, I'll be honest, he had a, a, a fair wobble when people go, oh, no, it's kind of the bad Tom Flanagan coming back. But prior to that, you know, the first half of the season, he would be, I wouldn't say he was, but he was definitely a shout for one of the better players that season. Um, time he moved to Shrewsbury, as you said, there was still a chance that, you know, you could potentially get relegated. Were you surprised by the move of Flanagan coming to yourselves or, or did you see that it made sense? Because I think we spoke about having to let him go to give him a chance to play football, but it seemed surprising to me at the time, if I'm honest. Yeah, I was surprised you let him go because he was playing in your team, wasn't he? He was playing mm-hmm. in your first team. Um, and he's a solid League One player. You know, you're not in the championship yet. Uh, you might not be in next season either. Um, so he's a solid League One player. He's tidy on the ball. Uh, we haven't got loads of players, I believe, in that area as well. So I find I found it really strange. For us, it was an odd decision to sign him because we were we're desperate for attacking players and strikers and a right wing back. And we're absolutely three players. We could have been, I reckon we could be at easily 11th or something like that in the league table, 10th, 11th. Um, similar with Portsmouth because our goal scoring is just absolutely abysmal. Um, so you scored like 69 goals and we scored 42, but we've only conceded 40. And you, what have you conceded? You conceded 49. So, you know, the clear issue is clearly our goal scoring. So we were hopeful we were going to sign a striker and then we signed Tom Flanagan as the centre-back and it was a little bit deflating, to be honest. And we signed a defence midfielder and a defender. But to be fair, Tom Flanagan is class. He is really his class at this level. Um, He fits into the style. Um, Steve Cottrell likes to give his central defenders licence to push on. And he creates a really nice balance for us. We've got Ebanks Landor, which is a he's a classic lower league destroyer. You know, amazing interceptions, amazing tackles, amazing um, headers, um, aerial jaw wins. He's not a, a he's not a, a footballer as such. But with Flanagan on one side and, and Pennington on the other side, both players comfortable with the ball, he's created a really nice balance to the team. Um, so he's been a really really strong addition. And in terms of signing him, for me, most Shrewsbury fans fans see him as a signing for next season, really. So positive for this season, but really a good signing for next season. Um, And there's absolutely no reason why Shrewsbury can't do the similar to Oxford or Plymouth or MK Dons. You know, their MK Dons budget is probably a million, million and a half more than us. But, you know, it's it's not like the same budget that Wigan and, and, and you guys have. So there's no reason why we can't push on. So for me, he's a really solid addition for next season. I think um, Cartwell spoke about that as well in the sense that he yeah. was more expecting him to come, I think he said, in the summer, didn't he? But then obviously, as we heard on the Sunderland's official podcast, I think Speakman, most fans, I would say, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here by speaking on behalf of most fans, weren't necessarily 100% sure with the, the discussion that Tom Flanagan had a chance to go and secure his future, so we had to look after him. I kind of understand it in some ways, but it did leave us short. But I think Shaw has been after him a while, and, and Cartwell said it was he was expecting him to get him in the summer, and instead he got him six months early, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, and, and yeah, I can't remember which Shrewsbury Town manager it was. Um, a Shrewsbury manager said the last few years has said, if you can sign a, a, a good player, a better player, it doesn't matter if you've got players in those positions already, you sign him. Um, and I think we did that a little bit with George Nurse. There's always a chance of better. Well, was, we all knew our better wanted to move on to the championship. So yeah, for me, he was he's making a position that was already fairly strong, even more, even stronger. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a signing for next season. And obviously there was that risk, wasn't there, that we maybe would lose into another club. 
you know, you know how quickly these things change. She could be that, you know, I don't know, Bolton, Portsmouth, um, you know, Charlton, loads of teams, Burton, Albion, Lincoln, loads of teams who could potentially would be suitors for him. So, yeah, it was good to get him um, signed up quickly. And perhaps surprisingly, I think, from a Southern perspective, he was linked to championship clubs throughout the time. I think Swansea, if I recall, were credited with a, a look at him, which I don't think he's a championship player in any way, shape, size, or form. Don't get me wrong, but um, there is always that opportunity as well that he could go elsewhere. But it, all in all, just to kind of from a Southern fans' perspective who are interested, it's fair to say he's improved, improved, sure Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely improved Shrewsbury. His, well, he went on and he went on international duty, um, and we had to shuffle things around a little bit, and we really missed his presence. Um, he he fitted in, and he you, if you you know if you're watching a game, you wouldn't. I think if you know if you're a neutral at a game, or you know if you take one of your mates to the game and say that guy there has only played two three games, he looked like really really comfortable. Um, obviously, you guys played three at the back as well, so he's been quite used to that. But yeah, he's been an absolutely brilliant signing, and. Um, We've had some really good signings this year. The RSU has, we haven't made enough. But even though he's only been here a few months, yeah, for me, he's, he's one of the best signings we've made this year, this season. Yeah, I really like Flan. I've got a lot of time from someone who perhaps is... Were you disappointed that he down. went, that you got rid of him as such? It was a weird one. I was thinking about this earlier. I think I've got a lot of time for, for Flano in the sense that you never give less than 100%. Loves to scrap. I kind of like that. Um, you just like getting involved for no reason whatsoever, but I quite like that about players. Um, in terms of talent, I don't think he was ever going to be the centre-half that Sunderland built their promotion when inside him, which we're still waiting for. But I was more frustrated that we let him go without any replacement because there has been games where we've been kind of playing a left back, a back three when we've played three in the back. But then then Alex Neal and, and the recruitment team might say, well, we've kept about five clean sheets in the past six or something like that, and we're, we're doing all right. So... I think come end of the season, maybe it'll be more evident on whether we should have kept him on board as part of the squad or not. I would have liked to keep him as part of the squad. Um, and I think I understand playing towards the the player in the sense that he can secure his future and things like that. But my priority concern will always be Sunderland Association Football Club. So for me, disappointed. If he, I would have preferred him to go at the end of the season. But if we keep keeping clean sheets, then I'm, I think I'm OK with it in that sense. But it's time will tell. I think. Um, away from the Tom Flanagan loving, um, which sounds like I absolutely adore Tom Flanagan now. I'm sure I've said lots of bad things about Tom Flanagan on the review shows, but you're currently in 16th, 11 points clear of the relegation zone. Is it safe to say that as a fan base, you're really, really confident that you've now confirmed your place in League One this season? Yeah, we were talking about this on the podcast, on our podcast on Sunday. Mathematically, no, we're not safe. But um, yeah, what, is, what other teams got? So yeah, Gillingham have got 30, 38 points. Just take them as an example. You know, we've got an 11-point gap on them. They're not going to get another 25% of their points in the, in the next, next what was it, six games or six, whatever. So yeah, six games left. There's no way they're going to get that many points. And even if they did, there's Burton, Lincoln, Fleetwood and Morecambe between us. Um, so yeah, while mathematically we're not, um, history would say that you get near 50 points and we'll probably will get another point. 50 points is normally enough for safety in League One. You've got like four games left come the end of the season. Obviously, you've got ourselves on Friday, on Monday, you play Doncaster, and then you've got Charlton away before you have Wigan at home, which could be a big game in the context of the season for the automatics. In terms of this part of the season, when you are safe, when you're 11 points clear and you think, yeah, you know what, there's no danger of that, it kind of feels that you're playing those last four games with nothing. 
essentially, nothing to play for. But as a fan base, we've been there before in the Premier League and you want to end the season as best as possible. But but what is the plan or the ambition for Shrewsbury fans in these last four games and going into next season? What would you like to see happen? So in the next few games, um, we don't have many players. So it's not like we can like rotate or whatever. I would like to see, there's a lad called Caton, who's a young striker, who's bless his cotton socks, has been on the coach and been to a lot of away games um, and home games and he's never really come on. So I'd like to see him play. And there's a lad called Tom Bloxham as well, who's a good youngster for us. So I'd like to see him play a few games. Uh, maybe, a, you know, maybe even mix up the reserve goalkeeper as well. But the but the thing about Steve Cottrell is he's like, he is a mis, he is absolutely miserable when we lose. So for me, the, the chance that he will play a week inside um, is, is quite reduced. Um, you know, we've, we've already taken probably Ruin Ipswich's hopes of getting in the playoffs with a draw on Saturday. Um the Sunderland game is a bit of a free hit to me. You know, you guys are trying to get in the playoffs, whatever. I don't think it matters too much. The big games for us are the Doncaster game at home. We've got to try and beat one of these teams in the bottom relegation zone. Our record against the, the teams at the bottom is horrendous. So hopefully we can get something there. Charlton should be good ones. We always have a bit of... When they had Bowie, we used to always have a bit of a feisty game with those guys. And then Wigan on the last day of the season. Yeah, I don't know how that one's going to go. But for me... I wouldn't be. I think we'll get at least one win from one of these games. Um, and against Sunderland, we always have some funny results. The games against Sunderland are so hard to predict. We've beaten you when you think we were going to um, get absolutely annihilated. Um, and it's yeah, the Sunderland Shrewsbury games. I can't remember the results, but they. I don't know, imagine probably pretty even. But we definitely definitely get stuff against. We definitely get results against you guys. Yeah, I've noticed that recently. There's been. I don't think we've won in the last two. I think you beat us two one behind closed doors. Last season, obviously, there was a 1-1, um, which was kind of one of those results that put Peter Lee Johnson in time. Um, maybe yeah. came a few months later and obviously went on a decent run, but that was, for me, synonymous of a, a Lee Johnson performance. And and I think she would be a few times getting the stadium right and getting 1-1 draws. So it is difficult to predict those games, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was looking at back now. So, yeah, we um, so yeah, um, yeah, we got a, got a, a 2-1 win against you. We drew one all. And um, yeah, we lost um, at your place. Um, that was quite a tight game. But um, yeah, we always seem, we always seem, the, the interesting thing about Shrewsbury, and this is what I was alluding to earlier, is that we do better against teams where we can counterattack. Mm-hmm. So that's why we haven't got, we haven't scored against Doncaster, Gillingham, and Crew, as I said, because we really struggle against teams that will basically do what we do sit back. We always win our games when we have less than 50% possession. So that's why, you know, we've got good results against Sheffield Wednesday and, and see other teams higher up in the division because we can play to our strengths and counter-attacking football is our strength. So for me, it's been really fascinating to see how you guys set up. Um, and yeah, it, it'd be two things. How you set up and the mentality of our players. If our mentality of our players is right and you, and you, and you, and you really do throw men forward, there's a chance that we could get something. And if we do get a goal and get a lead, um, it will be hard for you guys to break us down. It's funny with Shrewsbury because obviously I've, I've followed your page for a while and we followed each other and we spoke sort of off air all the time as I do with many guests that I've had on and I've saw over the season that there has been some unrest in regards to Steve Cottrell and it's it's a funny one really because obviously Sunderland fans will remember him as not a very good assistant manager when he was younger um, but he had a really good time at the start of his Shrewsbury um, sort of career and then obviously the well-documented COVID-related health issues took him away from the touchline for quite a while. And then he's come back this season and it's been a bit up and down. I would say maybe inconsistent looking at results, but nobody knows better than the fans themselves. Can you shed some light on why maybe there has been some Shrewsbury fans that have been really frustrated with him throughout the season? 
Yeah, it's really it's really interesting one because the start of the summer, um, everyone was like, you know, that we like fans crowdsourced a, a banner and got a banner. Get well, Steve, and he did a really emotional kind of big interview when he came back. And we started to sign a few players and, you know, quite a few of the like neutral guys, you know, guys that, you know, who cover the lower league, put Shrewsie down as potentially a bit of a dark horse. We signed a couple of decent players, signed Pennington earlier on in the January transfer, in the sorry, summer transfer window. And we're on a high. When we played um, Telford away in a pre-season friendly, Shrewsie fans were chanting Steve Cottrell Barmy Army for ages. It was a, and we're on this real kind of crest of a wave. We got to August and we didn't sign one permanent player. We didn't sign anyone. And then we signed Sam Cosgrove from um, from Blues, who is an awful footballer. And we didn't sign anyone else. So basically kind of went from this big high to this low of the transfer window ending, which was terrible. And then the first 10% of the season in terms of minutes, we didn't score a goal. And then he started being then he started being really aggy with the media. And you know, I don't know what's like with Sunderland, but if you imagine obviously you Sunderland, you've obviously got probably quite a few members of the media who are quite high profile. With Shrewsbury, we've got one guy really who's a journalist for Shrewsbury. One. So you imagine obviously the Shrewsbury Town fans have quite an affiliation with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and he's a he's a he's a, he's fairly young, you know, he's in his twenties. He's a lovely little lovely lad. Wouldn't wouldn't say boo to a goose. And Steve Cottrell started going at him in the press conferences, like literally going at him when Biebs Shropshire were interviewing him. So, and then Steve Cottrell is a terrible uh, manager to put in front of the, the media when we lose. And all this goodwill just completely evaporated in the space of two months. It was so bizarre. So, so bizarre. We all went into the season on a high. We didn't sign any players. We couldn't score a goal for 10% of the season. And then, the, then he's starting to have a go at the um, the BBC Shropshire um, reporter, Stu Dunn, who's a bit of a shooty favourite, and then Lewis Cox, the local reporter. So then all of his goodwill and his kind of like kudos points he had disappeared. And, you know, if you're losing games in a relegation fight again, everyone gets really pissed off. And then when your manager comes on and starts talking absolute drivel, like he, earlier in the season, he said that clean sheets don't matter. And now clean sheets are really important. Earlier on in the season, he said that we we're creating a load of chances when we weren't. And then, then, then he got a manager of the month award last month and he was telling us that we're an attacking team. But earlier in the year, we had, we had nine games about scoring. And fans are not stupid. He just seems to just chat. So all this, it's really hard. Yeah, it's lots and lots of little things have kind of got into the mix. And um, yeah, we played at home against, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Morecambe again. Or it might have actually been, might have actually been Cambridge. And it was really, really tight. We we're starting to fall down the league table and we got a win. And I think the thing that's really saved him is that um, you guys who know this, you've been in this situation loads of times, especially in the Premier League. If you're in a relegation fight and your players are fighting like beavers, you know, fighting really, really hard, you can stick with a team and stick with the manager. And the players saved him. And then we went into December, Daniel Doe scored scoring goals and we kind of got out of it again. And then we got close to it again. And it's we've had this seesaw effect of kind of loving the manager and hating him. And the things that I love about Steve Potter, his tactical and kind of insight and, tact- and ability to change your games is amazing. He's one of the best tactical managers in the league. But he just comes with this baggage all the time. He's a bit of an enigma. Yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago. I'm sure things have changed an awful lot with him personally since Sunderland had him, but Sunderland fans old enough to remember them, me being one of them. 
probably remember he was obviously came here as assistant manager to um sorry in advance Howard Wilkinson um we went down with a record 19 points he got sacked after about three or four months but Cottrell came as that kind of young tactical up-and-coming manager that could potentially take over after he'd learned the experience from Wilkinson and, and that didn't work but a lot of the stories you hear now in the days of podcasts and the days of interviews and football has been a bit more open about the time is that he's a little bit maybe the word would be eccentric. I've never met the bloke. Apparently he's very, very lovely as a person, but I think a lot of the time from what I've taken from the outside looking in is that tactically he's very switched on, but the man management side of things really lets him down. And that's maybe why he stayed most of his career in the championship and league one. Yeah. The man management thing is a really interesting one. So like his interpersonal skills when he's like been interviewed or whatever and stuff is just like his, his attitude and his behavior is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, to the media and stuff and um, like I remember when we 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 got um, beaten by Morecambe away earlier in the season and it was a dreadful performance and the away dressing room is where all the fans walk out and the window was open and apparently all you know on Twitter fans going Steve Cottrell's going absolutely mental so we we're wondering whether he was going to lose the dressing room but one thing you can say for certain he has not lost a dressing room at all because like I say you know to routine to be in the relegation zone but to have the third best defence in the league, that's quite odd, a quite an odd situation to be in. And that comes down to the players' work ethic and how hard they work. And players won't work that hard, will they? You know, you've had you've had situations where players have got the, the manager sacked. So he's I think his 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 relationship with the players is really strong. Um, probably not all the players. We've had some players in on loan, like we had a player on loan from Newcastle, and um, yeah, he got recorded and even play a minute. So I think if you're on his side and you do and you do what he says, I think you get on really well with him. I think if you don't do what he says, then yeah, you're out the door. It's an inter- I think him at Shrewsbury is quite an interesting one because as you say, when you can see players are fighting for a manager, then it becomes a bit different. I mean, because you think, well, if they're playing for him, obviously he hasn't lost a dressing room and it's always when they've lost a dressing room or when they've lost the confidence of the fans, that's when a manager tends to go. But since we came in to this division, which sadly and quite depressingly for us is now in its fourth season, hopefully not the fifth, but Shrewsbury were one of the sides that you kind of thought, well, they could maybe make the playoffs. Obviously you had, we're talking a while ago now, but Paul Hurst is your manager. You'd had the checker trades final. You just lost in the playoffs. You looked like one of those sides that, you know, could potentially flourish, even though that you'd lost your manager, similar to maybe MK Dons are this season when they lost Russell Martin, they've replaced the manager and you thought, well, you know, maybe Shrewsbury are that side that play good football and are going to be there or thereabouts for promotion. But it's never really happened since we've been here for Shrewsbury. From an ambition perspective, what is it that Shrewsbury fans would, would like to see going forward? And is Steve Cottrell the man that the majority of fans would like to see spearhead it? I think in terms of is Steve Cottrell the, the, the right man? Yes. Um, I think, as you guys know, you know, you change manager, you've got to change all your players again. Uh, so that would be counterintuitive to do that. I think he is, we, we've, we've flirted with getting like, you know, the, the, the up and coming um, non-league manager in Paul Hurst. And then we tried again with Sam Ricketts and that didn't work. And then we've gone for the more trusted, kind of tried and tested uh, option with Steve Cottrell. I think the manager is the right manager. Um, Shooter Town. Um, you know, we lost like 1.8 million in the last set of accounts, but, you know, we've got like, we've got millions in the bank. So, you know, it's all been Shooter Town fans don't really go on about, we need to spend money, all that kind of stuff. Now we're quite happy. You know, we obviously see Barry and other clubs go out of existence. Um, you know, we don't want that. So I think in terms of Shooter Town fans as a minimum, just don't want to be in a relegation fight again. You know, our budget is good enough. 
We've got a really good training ground, really good setup. There's no reason we should be in a relegation fight. I think what the minimum or what par would be for me is a mid-table, boring mid-table season, but with that chance of going on and doing really well. So that Paul Hurst season, now you look at it, we had Dean Henderson in goal and Ben Godfrey playing defensive midfield, um, who's now, what, a £40 million Premier League defender who was absolute Royal Royce for us playing defensive midfield. And then we had a load of journeymen um, um, and like, remember Carl Morris as well, who plays for Barnsley now and playing the championship. So we had some championship and Premier League players that boosted a solid set of League One players. And for me, almost a bit like Lincoln did last year. Yeah. You know, they had a couple of good players, a couple of their own good players, and they'd get a couple of loans. There's no reason why we can't have a solid base of League One players, get a couple of gems and push on for, for, for it again. And, you know, like most fans, like the, the biggest frustration we have at the moment is that we've often been flirting with less than a goal a game. Less than a goal a game. And of something like, there's a crazy stat, something like 33% of our games, we haven't even scored a goal. So you're going to a game with a third of the chance you're not even going to score a goal. So Shrewsbury Town's expectations are really, really low. And it's really funny. There's a, a guy who works with me at a shop called Mark Elliott. And he's always saying Shrewsbury Town fans have got really low expectations. There's no reason why we couldn't try and ask for a bit more. So I think, you know, Steve Cottrell now has been with us for a season and a half. All his own players now. The system's bedded in. We've got a really solid foundation now. There's absolutely no reason why we can't try and have a bit of fun next year. You talked about the, the players you brought in, um, obviously players that people like Ben Godfrey, Henderson, people will know who that is. Obviously, Dean Henderson got a promotion with Sheffield United as well, and Ben Godfrey's obviously lower end of the premiership at the moment. But yeah, but yeah the, the he's premiership. a good player. Yeah, yeah, he is a great player, and obviously he went up with, with Norwich as well. Um, I, you touched on before about that you hadn't signed enough of them, but the signings you've made had been good. Does a lot of the confidence that you can go on and... and be successful, uh, be that mid-table and be pushing a playoff spot, come from the fact that the recruitment's been so good? Because I think ultimately that's what it comes down to in this division, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely comes down to recruitment. And yeah, I think your recruitment probably not has been as good as you'd probably hope. Yeah, I, I think the, the, it's a really weird quandary with Steve Cottrell. Again, you know, we signed like we signed Elliot Belliot from, from Blackburn Rovers, who's been an excellent player. We signed Leahy, who came from Bristol um, Rovers, who got who got relegated to Bristol Rovers. We turned into one of the best midfielders in the division. He is one of the best midfielders in the division. We turned le- relegated left back into one of the best midfielders in the division. That's quite a record. And he's turned Danu Doe, who was a striker that would score four goals a season, into a, a striker that scored at Anfield and um, has scored something like 14 goals this season. Mm-hmm. And not only that, in some games, he has been unbelievable. He'll get the ball, turn, run. On the weekend, he did a step over. Wesburn went the wrong way, and he put the ball into, in a cross into the, back, into the back post, and we should have scored. And it's just that consistency. So that's coaching. That comes down to Aaron Wilberham and Steve Cottrell's coaching. So if... If the big if is just signing enough players. So Steve Cottrell is really big on the right um, kind of culture and bringing a player with the right attitude and the right mentality. And for some reason or not, whether it was just coming out of COVID, there wasn't the players out of contract. I'm really, really hopeful now that we can sign players with hopefully a bigger pool of players being free and that bit longer to try and you know get these deals done. If we go into another season with only 13, 14, 13 players, um, I don't think Shrewsbury Town fans' patience will and will give him till Christmas. Just on Wilbraham there before, um, obviously he took charge of a lot of the games when 
sadly, Steve Cockrell was really quite unwell. But even since Cockrell's come back, there's been a lot of good noises coming out about Wilbraham. Is he potentially the next Shrewsbury manager, do you think? Because he's quite highly rated in kind of hushed tones, isn't he? Yeah, he's it's really funny. I, I wouldn't underestimate how involved Steve Cottrell was when he was in hospital. Mm-hmm. Like he was involved in the games, phone calls and stuff. Aaron Wilbraham had um, AirPods in his ears. Um, and apparently, uh, apparently um, Aaron Wilbraham would get quite a lot of feedback. Let's call it feedback after the game <laughs> in terms of what he liked and didn't like. But yeah, he, Aaron Wilbraham came across really well um, as kind of like um, in the media when he was doing the press conferences, he came across really well. Um, he's clearly had a role in coaching a doe into improving as a player. And yeah, he seems he's a player also who's played a lot of games. He's played at a high level. Um, and yeah, we've, we've never done that. We've, I can't, in our whole history, I'd have to maybe ask one of my, my co-hosts, Glenn, have we ever promoted an assistant manager to manager? We had, we had, um, we had Jackson who was a manager and then basically came caretaker for a little bit, but yeah, potentially he, he could be a maybe manager in waiting, um, but yeah, maybe he'd leave with Steve Cotter if he went. But yeah, Aaron Wilbraham is, a, is definitely a guy who's got a, a good reputation. I mean, he's certainly doing well and is, um, yeah, he's, he seems like a good assistant to have. Talking of management and changes and things like that, I think one of my favourite part of every preview show is opinions of my football club. And obviously, as I attested to at the beginning of the, the show, Sunderland have been in really good form as we approach the end of the campaign, which is kind of what you want when you're in and around the playoffs. But what were your thoughts on Sunderland's sacking of Lee Johnson, obviously the subsequent appointment of Alex Neal? Yeah, it's a, it was an odd one, wasn't it? Because you obviously start the season so well. Um, he's obviously a manager that's got a fairly decent reputation for the lower levels. But if you concede that many goals, it's not really about the performances there. Let's be honest, I, I always, I've, yeah, I, I always think that... I don't think necessary results and performances necessarily get a manager sacked. And what I mean by that, I think it's the, I think normally players or the players' belief in the manager gets them sacked. So what I would assume is, yes, the performance and results weren't great, but if your board thought that the players and the manager could turn it around, they probably would have stuck with them. So clearly it wasn't working and clearly there was something wrong with the relationship there. It's not a surprise. I think if you concede that many goals, um, there's something wrong with the relationship between the player and the manager. So it's not a surprise he got sacked when he did. I think, you know, if you'd have said in in September he's going to be sacked, I think you'd have been quite surprised. Yeah, and I think at times it's got to be fairly Johnson to say I've seen some of the best performances at this level here and he's brought in some of the best players like Pritchard, he obviously is the one that, that sticks out a mile, but ultimately <laughs> listeners to the show will know I wasn't too pleased with him. On the flip side, I love Alex Neal. He's total breath of fresh air, everything that I kind of want from a manager, no shit, keeps it steady at the back and, and we're winning games at the end of the day. Do you think Sunderland stand a much better chance of promotion with Alex Neal as manager have finally got by the playoffs than we would have done if Lee Johnson was kind of given more time? Oh yeah, I'd say he's a much better manager. Yeah, I'd say he's a step above. Um, I think I think it's a bit of a coup, to be honest, in coming to the League One. Um, I yeah, for me, he'd be a, a guy that would be wanting to manage at least in the Championship, um, and maybe you know if he had a good run, you know what it's like for managers. You know, you, you do well for six months, and all of a sudden you're the next Premier League manager. Mm-hmm. And he's probably on the cut, was he on the edge of that, wasn't he? Getting, getting obviously the success he had. Um, with his other clubs, so for me, I think getting, I think you getting um, a bit like a bit like how Shrewsbury Town probably have a manager is probably better than 
probably the club in terms of their standing. Steve Cottrell is, you know, in terms of his tactical ability as a championship level manager, and we talked about his interpersonal skills, but in terms of his ability as a manager. And yeah, I think, you know, obviously what he did at Norwich and then Sunderland Preston, you know, to go on, I think you've done really well to get him there. So yeah, you know, managers are normally multiplier factors, aren't they? A manager will either make your squad of players worse. We've had that in the past. We had managers made our team worse or they can make them much, much better. And yeah, I'd say Alex Neal is um, he's probably the, you'd probably say probably the best manager in the division in terms of his probably his ability and probably potential. I mean, based on reputation, touched them before, like that would be, he's actually obviously managed in the Premier League, obviously with Norwich, but I, yeah. think, I think it's difficult to keep any Norwich side up. It seems to be they, they enjoy getting relegated and enjoy getting promoted. So, <laughs> but um, obviously, a great job with um, Hamilton up here as well in, in Scotland, got them promoted by the playoffs, got good form in the playoffs. And I'm kind of saying that tentatively, but that does bring me on to my penultimate question. Do you think? We touched on before that. Hopefully, for me, this is the last preview show we do, at least in this division. Um, do you think Sunderland finally have enough with Alex Neal? That kind of, should we say, we're in good form, winning games, keeping clean sheets is pragmatic. Do you think Sunderland finally have enough to actually go up and this time via the medium of the playoffs? I think they've got a really good chance, and the reason I say that is rather we're in free fall. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, you do not want going into a playoffs without, you know, you want to be in a full head of steam. Um, Plymouth, I think they've probably overachieved to get where they are, um, and their manager isn't as experienced as Alex Neal. And then Sheffield Wednesday are just a bit of a basket case of a club, um, and yeah, we've got four points off them. So you know, um, when we played them at home, um, they were absolutely abysmal, um, and I don't really have that much faith that they've gonna. They're just so reliant on Bannon, like it's like yeah. like you stop Bannon and you stop their entire team. Um, and I'm not, I haven't really been impressed with them. So, yeah, it'd be really fascinating to, you almost be fascinating for you to ask me this question again after how I see you play under Alex Neal, um, because we see, see where you are. Because obviously, I've seen, you know, quite an in- inconsistent um, team. But, you know, the team that normally does gets into the playoffs or come into a run of form, you're, you've got the best format of all the teams in the playoffs. So, there's no absolute reason why you can't do it. And, you know, if you had to pick out all those four managers, um, I would say Alex Neal's probably the best guy to take you into. And he's been in those pressure situations before. So there's no reason why, yeah, you can't do it. It'd be, be, I always just find Sunderland a bit a bit, bit of an enigma in terms of your players. You know, I'll be interested to see how Embleton's getting on, Pritchard's getting on. Obviously, Stewart's a good striker. But I've, apart from McGreedy, when he, we, I think it was a game at home a few years ago, he just tore a right back to Streds. Um, I've never really seen a player from Sunderland's t- Sunderland boss a game or really, really impress. Um, so I'm really be interested to see how Sunderland perform under Neil. Because for me, you've always been, I don't know, obviously a good team, but I've never seen a gem. You know, you've never seen a player in your team that that really excels. And if I think that's that's probably the difference between probably between you going up and, and not going up is you can get the best out of your best players. Yeah, absolutely. I think Pritchard being obviously got a great goal at your place with Pritchard. I think when Pritchard plays Sunderland play this this season and very similar to you touched on McGeady before the way McGeady was. And you, you said about Sheffield Wednesday, how everything goes through Bannon. I feel like that was Sunderland basically every season prior, apart from that kind of period where he was dropped by Parkinson. I think the one thing I feel a bit more confident about the season is a couple of players you touched on before, Pritchard, potentially Patrick Roberts on his day and, and, and Stewart. Hopefully we've got a little bit more alongside the right manager to get us up. But I'm crossing all my fingers and all my toes 
um, as I'm saying that. But final question, as always, I got my prediction um, wrong again last week, but I'm pleased to see that I got that wrong. I said 1-1, and again, we scored in the last minute to win 2-1. I am never massively confident against Shrewsbury for some reason, but I am this Friday, um, maybe because we've just won our last two games in the last minute. I'm going to go 1-0 somewhere, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it might be a one nil. Um, unless unless you give us the counter attacking opportunity, I think it'd be, I think tactics are going. It's going to be a tactical battle between two two ta- good tactical managers. Um, I was thinking two one or one nil potentially to Sunderland. Um, goal scoring has been our biggest problem. Um, if we score one, obviously to win you have to score more than us, and that will obviously change the dynamic of the game. Um, but yeah, it's it's form, isn't it? You know, League One is. You know, let's just be honest, most teams in League One uh, are pretty similar to each other. Obviously, you've got Wigan who've spent a shitload of money and got a really good squad together. Ipswich have got so many players, it's unbelievable. But it's all about having momentum and having form. And that's when Shrewsbury have won games. Bit of momentum, bit of form, and you win games. You know, that that, that strike, which you know would almost threaten the fans behind the goal, goes into the back of the net. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't see anything but a Sunderland win, to be honest. Fingers crossed. But Ollie, as always, thanks for joining me, mate. Yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, hope, hope some of the fans enjoy their um, their long weekend. And um, yeah, if you do go to Wembley, I hope you win, just because we've got a similar record to us. So if you win, it gives us some hope that we can break our terrible record at Wembley as well. Yeah, positive. That's hope, mate. That's hope. Mm-hmm.